Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for July the 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America is our guide and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, one of the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution when we uh, celebrate and back peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic, we're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time, Faith-Filled Friday. So welcome to the broadcast. It is the 4th of July weekend, so an incredible happy 4th of July to all of you. A quick recap of yesterday's broadcast starts now. We talked to Brian Rust about Honest Money, RustCoinandGift.com. We talked about the Honest Money Report, Gold Silver. We talked about a Manhattan district attorney will not charge Donald Trump, but the DA will press charges against Trump organization. I think they're trying to take away his business. Wow. The uh, effort to take down Trump is legendary nowadays, isn't it? We'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds today. Pennsylvania Supreme Court throws out Bill Cosby's conviction. He's released from jail. We also talked about this um, Created Equal documentary. It's a two-hour documentary about the life of Justice Thomas. Clarence Thomas doesn't fit the radical left's narrative, so they literally deplatformed his documentary. Amazon may have deplatformed Created Equal, but their loss is now your gain. The Daily Wire starting to stream Created Equal now. So there you have that. We also talked about, yes, it's ungrateful to turn your back on the national anthem, but GOP lawmakers are trying to call for Gwen Berry. To lose her place on the Olympics. See, I don't agree with that. I mean, I get that it's a shame that she's doing this. I also get that I don't want us to attack people politically like this. When will it be our turn, our views, under attack, huh? Remember, it's a double-edged sword, people. All right, that's hour one. Hour two, Fox News uh, cuts Trump border visit feed after he starts talking about forbidden subjects. What's that forbidden subject? Yeah, Fox cut off live coverage of Trump at the when he was talking uh, at the southern border when he started talking about vote fraud. Yeah, there you have that. Trump says we better get our elections straightened out because you're going to have a runaway country if you don't. You're going to have a serious problem. You're going to have a banana republic. You're going to have a third world country here pretty soon if we don't get this together. Our elections are a mess, Donald says. He's right about that. Shaq slams LeBron's NBA whining. You're making $200 million when 40 million people are laid off. Shame on you, says Shaq. Man, I agree with Shaq on that one. Officials cancel rally when Trump is revealed as the speaker. They say partisan events not allowed in the park, except for they are. 
Wow, Bob Underwood with that piece. We also talked about Governor Brian Kemp says that Biden's weaponizing the Department of Justice. Is that hyperbole or a real statement? If it's a real statement, we need to arrest the president immediately. If it's not a real statement, how dare Brian Kemp? Communism survivor um, slams white nationalism, saying that it's more dangerous than communism, not even close. CDC cruise industry could restart in July, but will it only be for the vaccinated? Time will tell. We also talked about a 25-hour work week. Work life may be changing. More flexible schedules might be the norm in the post-pandemic world. Wow, there's a story advocating for a five-hour workday. What do you think of that, folks? We finished on steps to reduce stress-related drinking. Serious, serious topics on your radio for two hours. That's a recap. The broadcast for yesterday is available on demand. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, spread the word. Download the apps, live and on demand, free radio. But your donations are always welcome. All right, without further ado, let's welcome our buddy Chris Carlson back to the airwaves. Hello, sir, and a happy 4th of July elongated weekend to you. Happy 4th to you, and happy birthday, Sam. I hear your birthday's coming up here soon. Would you tell the audience when you were born? That is true. I was born on the 4th of July. My birthday's coming up Sunday. There's no better day than the Sabbath to celebrate the 4th of July and my birthday, by the way. So there you have that. It is an elongated 4th of July weekend, and I want people to understand. Happy Independence Day weekend. Please think of the 4th of July or Independence Day as a thanksgiving to God, family, and country. That's how I want people to think of it, Chris. Yeah, that's true. Of course, you know, there is a dispute as to when the Declaration of Independence was actually signed, Sam. Some people think it was on the 2nd. Some people believe it's on the 4th. Most people don't really care, unfortunately. But I go ahead and celebrate uh, my independence 365 days of the year just to cover all my bases. How about you, Sam? Well, I uh, agree with the 365 and a quarter days a year for sure. I do realize that there's times to take special uh, effort to contemplate, and I believe that Independence Day is one of them, and I, uh, you know, agree the second, the third, other days that this probably happened rather than the fourth. Um, It's okay, whatever day they designate is fine with me, Um, but I really celebrate September 17th as one of the key days as well for Constitution Day also, but we need to, no matter what, really be grateful for our freedoms, for our liberties, uh, etc., now you got to do your, your welcome and intro, Chris. Come on. Yes, sir. Uh, we caught off guard here. So without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle is the Lord's, but Sam, we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. That's the way it was for the founder's view also, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the view we need to take right into this 4th of July weekend. And I agree, independence is not a flash in the pan. It's not a get drunk and light off fireworks. It is a serious contemplation of those who have gone before us and then a commitment to what we're going to do going forward to preserve our nation, to stand up for what we hold dear. That's why I believe Independence Day weekend should be a thanksgiving to God, family, and country is what it really should be. And let's do that by talking about um, plans to destroy America first and then some great quotes from the Founding Fathers to kind of route 
round out this Fourth of July special broadcast. We're doing it on Friday. We'll also do it again on Monday, since the uh, event really is on Sunday. Um, I'm going to take off Saturday and not do a show, do a rebroadcast Saturday. And then when uh, I'll be back Monday, we'll talk about it more. But uh, Chris emailed me and he said, hey, Sam, I wrote this on February 23rd, 2017, one month into Donald Trump's presidency. It's a very riveting, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, analysis, essay, so to speak, analysis uh, about Donald Trump about what we're facing in America as we speak. And even though we don't want to be negative on the 4th of July, we do need to assess where we are. It's a little bit of a uh, state of the union, if you will, on the 4th of July uh, weekend. With that, Chris, let's start it out. Yes, sir. So here's what I wrote, Sam. I'll go ahead and read it word for word. In his book, Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky outlines a simple formula for overthrowing one's political opposition. He says, you pick the target, you freeze the target, you personalize the target, and then you polarize the target. This is the formula that Democrats, and to a lesser degree, Republicans, have been using to discredit traditional conservative values in America for the last 60 years or so. Mr. Trump is now the target. He embodies to a great degree the values that we have traditionally valued in America. And then there's a list of those values, uh, masculine strength, decisiveness, self-reliance, business acumen, confidence in oneself. He also represents what the left has always tried to accuse the right of being. And that list is being rude, being brutish, being insensitive, bullish, racist, sexist, reckless, etc. This is what is called typecasting in Hollywood. And it is an indispensable element in the great deception or psyops, psychological operations, that's what PSYOP stands for, that is about to take place in America. The fact that Mr. Trump is now the President of the United States allows the left to more easily carry out Saul Alinsky's formula. They have picked the target. They have frozen the target in one man, Donald Trump. They have done an effective job of both personalizing the target and polarizing that target. The only thing they have to do now is to discredit that target, President Trump and his America First agenda. So I know that's a pretty bold statement, Sam, and most people, especially those who support Donald Trump um, as our standard bearer in the conservative movement, would probably disagree with me on that. They, they think he, he's well, a genuine and let's, person. Let's back up to the facts on this, though, Chris, because when we say okay. we pick a target, they literally picked Donald Trump. The proof in the pudding is that they picked him was that they really gave him so much free media coverage. You could say a lot of that was negative, but, you know, one of the things that they say in the media is, hey, it doesn't matter what you say about me, just get my name right. Um, That was part of the polarization as well. But they literally picked him, bestowed a ton of free media on him. Then they froze the target by literally putting him in positions of you can't win. Okay, the border fence, for example, very polarizing issues. They led one phase into the next phase on Donald Trump. And they're in the final phases. Okay, they picked it, they freeze it, they uh, then they polarize it. There's one more that that Saul Alinsky didn't point out, but I want to, it's demonize it. We'll talk about it all in seconds. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Rule 13. Yeah, they're trying to pick the target, freeze the target, personalize the target, polarize the target. Yeah, that's what they're doing to Donald Trump. They've been doing it in order, and one phase leads into the next. Demonize the target, eventually completely destroy the target, uh, eventually is the goal uh, as well. But you've got to really understand this. They've done this from the very start. When he walked down the escalator, it began. Very fascinating. Um, people could disagree, but the signs are there, Chris. Yeah, and um, you know, since the advent of the TV, which happened not during our lifetime, Sam, but during our parents' lifetimes, I think they've been able to use that as a weapon against us. Because in the old days, ancient Israel used to worship idols that were carved from wood or stone or made out of um, of gold or silver. But now we have this, uh, this wonderful instrument that allows us to project images of human beings throughout the entire world. So now our, Im our um, idol images have become human beings. And some of them are very crafty in how they communicate and how they present themselves. And I think Donald Trump has been one of those. Um, in the past, I think every president has been presented as the savior for their particular side of the political debate. I think Donald Trump was no exception to that rule. But I don't think the deep state really cares, you know, who we gravitate towards. What I think that they want, Sam, and I, I think this is something that they've been trying to, to achieve, you know, ever since um, the, the idea of riot as a political tool to accomplish uh, our, our political agenda 
has, uh, has arisen, I think they want us divided to the point where they don't have to fight us. So that we're so busy fighting each other, um, accusing each other, demonizing each other, that we will become like a ripe fruit and that we will drop from the tree and it, uh, the United States of America, which is their primary target politically, will become easy pickings for the globalist New World Order agenda. I think you're right. I think it's a serious concern. I think you're right. I think it's a serious concern in America, and I think it's something that we need to be aware of, cognizant of, and most importantly, be willing to do something uh, about, Chris. Well, I think what they want, Sam, is, you know, we've seen the images of Black Lives Matter and Antifa in the street, burning down buildings, uh, toppling over police cars and creating all sorts of, uh, of, of damage. They would love to be able to label those uh, protesters as conservatives, and they, and they accomplished that on January 6th, although we know, Sam, that probably about half of those, um, those Capitol rioters that were caught so effectively on film, climbing the walls, uh, breaking windows, breaking down doors into the Capitol, we know that most of those were probably FBI informants. We know that 20 of them were. Uh, oops, sorry about that. Take care of that. Sorry, but uh, I think they would like to see uh, conservatives out in the street streets clashing with Antifa, with Black Lives Matter, uh, bashing in heads, creating havoc and chaos. And I think we, if they can do that, then they can um, edit the film so it looks as if we are the instigators of that problem. And uh, then they can go to phase the next phase of their program which is bringing in military might to, to suppress our God-given constitutional rights to peaceably assemble, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. I mean, they, they've effectively done that to a degree with the COVID uh, fake pandemic, but I think that they want to take that to the next level by seeing conservative, genuine conservative-minded people out on the streets clashing, you know, with their... FBI-funded and State Department-funded thugs. And I think once they get to that level, Sam, I think they can accomplish their objectives to a much greater degree than they have been heretofore. So I think that's what it's all about. I think it's certainly possible they can do that, but I also think that Americans are starting to wake up more so than we've ever seen before. Like I say, I've been at this movement for 25 years. And it seems to me that uh, we've had more people waking up in the last five well, let's see how this i've been at this 35 years 25 years as liberty roundtable live um but i've seen more efforts in the last five years and more awakening in the last five years than i've seen in the first 25 chris i think that's important to note hello all right can you hear me still Yes, sir, Sam. All um, right. So I think in the last five years, I've seen more people waking up and more people making a difference than in the first 25 years I've been at this. So there is hope. Yeah. And I've often compared Washington, D.C. as Hollywood East, Sam. Uh, in, in that same document that I just quoted from, I'm going to continue and read one more paragraph. And you tell me if this sounds like something that we are experiencing today in our model, modern political environment. 
Essentially, what we are seeing unfold before us is a carefully choreographed, made-for-TV and internet movie production with paid actors and actresses dutifully reading their scripts and following their stage directions. Whether Mr. Trump knows that he is part of this performance or not, I cannot say. But this much I know, um, it is being carried, carrying, sorry, is being carried out with perfection. So I think the same people that produce a Hollywood movie that uh, captivates our interest and is compelling and provocative, I think they're carrying out the same thing uh, on a national stage through our elected officials. And we genuinely believe that they're acting independently. And we, we both know, Sam, that they are not acting independently. There is a power behind the throne, as it were, that is orchestrating all of this. And we are believing, in spite of increasing evidence, that the power is in our politicians, which it has never been for the, at least the last 60, I would say 108 years, with the advent of the Federal Reserve System, Sam. And that leads us into the next uh, analogy that I would like to share with you. And I apologize, I accidentally deleted all my notes, so this will be off the top of my head. It's the Matador. Do you want to talk about the Matador, Sam? Yeah, you know, the Matador has basically two tools that are used. And one is, is red. It's a red cape uh, making the bull believe that it's the man. The bull can't determine between the man uh, and the cape. And so the cape is used to deceive the bull. It reminds me of don't keep an eye on the right hand while the left hand goes to work, right? Um, you know, that's how ma magicians deceive people. But what happens is they put this um, cape up and the bull attacks the cape while the uh, matador basically reaches around and stabs uh, the bull and eventually kills the bull um, exactly. by this trickery, by this deception, by this, you know what? The bull gets too focused on what is not important giving the matador, who would normally lose to a bull, but with this trickery, then the matador becomes superior to the bull uh, by betrayal and stabbing the bull in the back, kind of a, a, an idea. That is happening to America. It is. And I think the Capital Six riots is an excellent example of that. See, I decided not to attend rallies. I decided not to attend protests, Sam. They're just too messy. And the media can spend them with, you know, selective... Uh, cuts that they use from their film footage to make it look as if the, the conservatives are always the bad guys. They'll wait and they'll wait. And let me give you an example. Um, let's say I'm in a rally, Sam, and I'm just peacefully protesting with my sign, and a, a Black Lives Matter or an Antifa thug comes up to me and starts provoking me. Let's say that they're, you know, they're yelling at me, calling me names, and let's even say that they provoke me physically. They, they assault me. And they keep assaulting me, and I keep maintaining my cool. And then pretty soon, I just get tired of it, and I haul off, and I hit this kid right in the right square in the jaw. Okay, do you, what do you think you're going to see on the nightly news? Do you think that you're going to see the five minutes of harassment that I was subjected to? No, they're going to they're going to see the punch that you threw, and they're going to say the white supremacist went radical on a peaceful protester, uh, and it, it'll go all wrong. That's what they've been doing. We've highlighted this from all the way from the local uh, level, police locally, all the way up to the FBI, allowing this and encouraging this to happen. What we're talking about really uh, is another term called gaslighting that relates to this very thing. What you have is how psychopaths demonize and demoralize their opposition. That's what's happening to us uh, as well with this. But we also need to understand 
what they're using Trump for. The uh, question is this. Do you recognize the degradation of conservative values and conservative culture by embracing Trump as the standard bearer? You know, Trump's rude, oh, crude, yes. loud, and obnoxious, and, and everything else. And you get a situation where, at first, you think, you know, Trump's great. And in many ways, he is. He's done a lot of good. At the same time, he works perfect, perfect in this pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and then polarize it, and eventually destroy and demonize. We're at the polarization stage, and we've been there for quite some time. Quick pause. Chris Carlson. Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The Supreme Court voted Thursday 6-3 to three to allow Arizona's voter integrity laws to stand. Justice Samuel Alito wrote, Preventing voter fraud, for example, is a strong and entirely legitimate state interest. Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who argued the case, tells Fox News it's about getting the election results correct. The Constitution, federalism, election integrity have to mean something. And the U.S. Supreme Court held that states can enact common-sense election integrity measures to protect the ballot and protect the process. Justice Elena Kagan criticized the court for remaking Section 2 with its decision and said Congress has the authority to decide whether there is no longer a need for the measure. The Boy Scouts of America has reached an $850 million settlement with more than 60,000 men who sued the Boy Scouts over alleged sexual abuse by adults in scouting over several decades. This is USA Radio News. Hi, this is Wayne Allen Root from my great friends at Freedom Fest. Have you ever been to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota? Well, here's your opportunity. This July 21st through 24th, thousands of liberty lovers are headed to South Dakota for the greatest libertarian show on earth, Freedom Fest. This time held at the Rushmore Civic Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, with a record-setting crowd. Here's your chance to make new friends and meet the country's top political and business leaders, authors, and filmmakers in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Some of the star speakers this year, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, Dr. Drew, Larry Elder, U.S. Senator Mike Lee, U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis, the CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey, Steve Moore, John Fun, Grover Norquist, Tom Woods, and the infamous pandemic mock trial. Go to FreedomFest.com. Use promo code WAR50 to get $50 off the registration fee. That's FreedomFest.com with promo code WAR50. Fly there, drive there, bike there, RV there, be there. Freedom Fest in South Dakota. Get your tickets now at FreedomFest.com. A member of the Trump organization turned himself in Thursday to face tax charges in a Manhattan court. Wendy King from the Pacific Northwest USA Radio News Bureau explains. Charges against the Trump organization include conspiracy, grand larceny, and tax fraud. CFO Ellen Weisselberg was arraigned one day after a grand jury returned an indictment charging him and the Trump Organization with tax crimes. The 73-year-old Weisselberg worked for the Trump company for decades. Former President Trump was not charged. It is the first criminal case arising from the two-year investigation into the Trump Organization by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Trump Organization attorney... Alan Futeris says the prosecutors are going after a former president. That is a significant line to cross. And quite frankly, not just as a lawyer, but as a citizen, we're very concerned about that. Mr. Weisselberg was released without bail and said he tends to fight the charges. USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song 
to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman fired up this 4th of July weekend. Chris Carlson riding shotgun on the broadcast today. We're talking about demonization. We're talking about gaslighting. We're talking about what the extreme, you would say liberals. That's what a lot of people want to say. But I'm not confident that it's liberals. See, I think it's the deep swamp. I believe it's all the enemies of freedom, literally on both sides of the aisle, on all sides of the spectrum, attacking the sacred cause of liberty. It is God versus Satan when it comes right down to it. The war on heaven continued on earth. And boy, howdy, is it getting brutal, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gaslighting how psychopaths demonize and demoralize their opposition. That's what we're seeing in spades, folks. Do you recognize the degradation of conservative culture by embracing Trump as its standard bearer? But it's not just Trump. It's all of those guys, you know. Back in the 90s, we even had Newt Gingrich, who was supposedly this rock star going to have a contract with America, and then he melts down and cheats on his wife and gets kicked out of Congress and has all these problems. And, you know, okay, they do that. They demonize and they compromise uh, the opposition. And uh, they get people in compromised positions uh, and then betray them, uh, and et, et cetera. It, it just goes on and on and on. That's the negative of what's happening in America, ladies and gentlemen, and it's true. We brought that up because it's really important as they try to attack Trump's businesses now. They've realized they can't take him down personally. He's coming back uh, as him and Mike Lindell and others uh, are doing some things in the media to try to have their own voice box to speak out. Uh, and so now they're, what they're trying to do is attack his businesses and see if they can't yank all of his money from him. That's what they're headed for next. They decided not to try Trump in New York courts, but they are going to try the Trump organization. Very interesting tactic and strategy uh, they've got there. Uh, anyway, any final uh, wrap-up on that, Chris? Yeah, and the perception is reality. You know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll believe any accusation, even though it's merely an accusation. So if, you know, if somebody's accused of a crime like Trump, uh, you know, with his business, and I've, I heard what the crime was. It, it seems very insignificant in nature, but that doesn't matter to some people. You know, they, they're just chomping at the bit, waiting to hear any negative thing about Trump that they can uh, hang on him just to increase their enmity towards him. Anyway, so that that's one of the tricks that the media uses to demonize not only the individual Trump, but anybody who supports them. And it, it is polarizing America to the point where I think that eventually they will be able to very easily instigate riots where not only Antifa and Black Lives Matter will be out there on the streets, but their opponents will be, and there will be real violence. And I think that's how they're going to weaken us. But one more thing, you, you mentioned Trump's rudeness and crudeness and insensitive, insensitive behavior. Um, yeah, this is designed to do something, and I think very few pundits, Sam picked up on this, but I did from the very beginning. It is designed to lower our standards as conservatives. In order to embrace Trump, we have to embrace his behavior. And in order to embrace his behavior, we have to lower our standards. And I think that's a trick that they've used on him. And that's why I never from the very beginning, Sam, embraced him as our standard bearer. We need to embrace our Heavenly Father, because at this point in the game, Sam, I don't think anybody in this universe can save us from our awful situation, except Heavenly Father. So we need to get on our knees and pray. And once we get off our knees and, and pray for the salvation of this noble republic, Sam, I think we need to go to work like you and I are doing 
to first peaceably restore this republic, and if needs be, as a final resort, you know, we, we should probably do what our founding fathers did and resort to arms, if necessary, but only in a defensive capacity. And I say that with great emphasis, only in a defensive capacity. We don't go to the Capitol. We don't break into people's um, or even public buildings. You know, we do it in a strictly uh, defensive capacity, Sam. Do you want to transition well, at this want time? To do. Oh. They want to tempt us into taking hostile action or taking uh, offensive uh, action. They want to tempt us into turf where they uh, betray us or manipulate us and declare the moral high ground. Uh, that's what I believe they really did to Trump and others on January 6th. They literally said, attack the Cape, and then they stabbed us in the back. Uh, not a death blow. But certainly it changed the game, demonized the Donald and everybody associated with him blow. Are we going to be smart enough to step back from that arena uh, of deception and fight on our turf? In other words, we take back the narrative. We call the shots. And that's what we need to do. One of the best ways we can do that, ladies and gentlemen, on the 4th of July is get a real understanding of who we are, what our culture is, and how we go about restoring the country. Ezra Tab Benson, Secretary of Agriculture under the Eisenhower administration, wrote an incredible book called This Nation Shall Endure. And that's where I get that phrase that I use at the end of literally every program. But it's an appropriate discussion to have on Independence Day. There's some incredible quotes um, uh, this weekend that really relate to what we can do, how we uh, need to uh, approach this thing. And it starts out by thanking God Almighty. I thank God for the sacrifices and efforts made by our founding fathers, whose efforts who have brought us the blessings we have today. Their lives should be reminders to us that we are beneficiaries, the blessed beneficiaries, I might clarify, of a liberty that's earned by great sacrifice, the loss of everything, including life, by some of these wonderful people. This nation is not like any other nation. It was uniquely born. All right. And uh, Chris, why don't you dive into a little bit of the sacrifice uh, that was made on behalf of we the people? Don't mind if I do, Sam. Then these men were, were true men who devoted their, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors to the cause of liberty. And they knew, and some of them did, nine of them died. Nine of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, Sam, they paid for it with their lives over the next seven years of war. And um, I'll just uh, read you some of these accounts. Let's see. Okay, here we go. At least nine of these died as a result of the war or its hardships on them. The first of the signers to die was John Morton of Pennsylvania. He was at first sympathetic to the British, but finally changed his mind and cast his vote for independence. By doing so... His friends, relatives, and neighbors turned against him. Those who knew him best said this ostracism hastened his death, for he lived only eight months after the signing. His last words were, tell them that they will live to see the hour when they shall acknowledge it to have been the most glorious service that I ever rendered to my country. So there's John Morton. Here, uh, Listen to this guy. His name is Caesar Rod Rodney. I think he was the Catholic. Of the bunch, there's only one Catholic. Uh, the most, the other um, fifty-five signers were Protestant, as far as their religious orientation. He said, 
or Ezra Taft Benson says another to pay with his life was Caesar Romney. Suffering facial cancer, he left his sickbed at midnight and rode all night by horseback through a severe storm. He arrived just in time to cast the deciding vote for his delegation in favor of independence. His doctors told him he needed treatment obtainable only in Europe. He refused to go in this time of his country's crisis. The decision cost him his life. And these men were happy to, to pay with their lives for this sacred cause because they were men of God. And they knew, let me, let me give you an example of, of what I believe these men had in their minds and in their hearts at the times. They knew that they were going to live for uh, in eternity as we all will live for an eternity uh, in the next life, Sam. Wouldn't it be a great tragedy to be, to be condemned throughout the eternity, Sam, to look back on the decisions that we made in this life and know that we casted our votes in favor of a promised security and a not for liberty? Wouldn't that be tragic if you or I, Sam, or anybody in this world was condemned for the rest of eternity to look back and know that they could have stood for a noble cause, like declaring liberty from a tyrannical government in Great Britain. And they were, uh, they were not devoted enough to the cause, which is God's cause, which is a noble cause, which is a righteous cause in conformity with the principles of the Bible. And we did not have the courage or resolve to cast our vote in favor of that, even if it would have costed our lives. But we have the rest of eternity to think about those things. Okay, do you want me to read a couple more? Or do you think that's a good sampling? Yeah, no, no. I think we need to read a few more of these. I think these uh, understanding of who these people were and what they what made them tick <clears throat> is vital to understand who we need to be to carry on the same legacy, Chris. Be because we're le reliving history, aren't we, Sam? I mean, we may be called to give our very lives for this cause, and I'm ready to do it. And I I know that's easy to say, Sam. I know you are probably of the same mindset. But I would like to think that I would be willing to give my life for the cause of liberty because I do not want to have to regret for an eternity the fact that I was found on the wrong side of history. So let's read a couple more of these when we get back. All right, we'll do it when we get back, ladies and gentlemen. We're running out of time way faster than I want us to. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, great subjects, ladies and gentlemen. Never enough time to cover them. We'll do our best in the final segment on your radio. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at UPMA.org. That's UPMA.org. 
why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with Chris Carlson on your radio. We're talking about uh, the Founding Fathers and just who they were. Do a quick job and wrap that up, and then I got an interesting question for you as well. Um, Go ahead, Chris. Okay, one more quick account, Sam, and we'll move on. When the British came to Trenton, they settled near the home of John Hart, one of the five signers from New Jersey. He had a large farm and several grist mills. While his wife was on her deathbed, Hessian soldiers, Hessian soldiers were uh, like soldiers of fortune that the British had hired as mercenaries to come over. Hessian soldiers descended on Hart's property. They, they destroyed his mills, ravaged his property, and scattered his 13 children. Hart became a hunted fugitive. When he finally returned to his land, he was broken in health. His farmland was scourged, scourged sorry. His wife had died, and his children were all scattered. He died three years after signing the Declaration of Independence. So, and there are a couple more, but let's go ahead and move on, Sam, because we've got a lot of uh, territory to cover. We have a bunch of territory to cover and never enough time to get that done, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But I will say this. It's important to remember. You know what? This Nation Shall Endure is the title of Ezra Tapp Benson's book, which has a ton of these quotes and a ton of this reality in it uh, about faith in the nation's survival. And that doesn't mean that Washington, D.C. is going to survive or the bureaucrats in office. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fundamental core of constitutionalists will remain true, will turn to God, and will be blessed and rewarded. George Washington even had a vision about this. But let's talk about this Samuel Adams quote And then my question. Yes, sir. The Samuel Adams quote. This was during the revolution, Sam. He said, if ye love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsel or arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you and may posterity forget that ye were ever our countrymen. And can you imagine if, if you were um, a British loyalist, Sam, and Sam Adams told you that, and then seven years later, after the American colonists had won the war, uh, the Revolutionary War, then you realized that you were, in fact, on the wrong side of history. You chose to go with security and conformity 
with principles that were not consistent with that of our Heavenly Father, and because of laziness or fear or whatever, you chose not to join the colonists in fighting this noble cause of righteousness. Uh, I don't want to be that person, Sam, and I know that you don't. So let us learn from history and realize that the battle is the Lord's, like I say at the inter in the introduction. Uh, but we do need to be engaged in the fight because we will be on the right side of history because this battle for freedom and liberty and, and righteous government will be won. Uh, but God's not going to come down here himself, Sam. He's not going to fight our battles without us first engaging in the fight ourselves. So there's a lot of quotes from the founders about America, about their positions, about their stance. You know, Patrick Henry's always well known for give me liberty or give me death uh, speech. I'd rather, you know, stand on my, die on my feet than, um, you know, live on my knees. Kind of an idea. And I think that's important for all of us to understand. We need to gut check on where we stand, what we're willing to do. We need to draw our line in the sand. Uh, you know, when they come for the guns, that's a pretty good line because once you let them cross that line, you aren't able to even fight back. Interestingly enough, next hour I'm going to talk with Dr. Scott Bradley about this some too. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Brian Kemp says that Joe Biden is weaponizing the Justice Department. Now, if that's really true, we need to arrest Joe Biden immediately before he gets above the people. Joe Biden uh, is well known for saying, hey, no way an AK-47 is going to take care of you. Biden dismisses founding father quote on militias. We'll talk about the next hour with Dr. Scott Bradley. The reason I bring it up now, though, is that you know what? You got to realize once they take away our ability to defend ourselves, the God-given inalienable right of self-defense, we are in serious, serious uh, trouble then. But I kind of look at it and say, you know, everybody wants us to have kind of a modern-day George Washington, and I think good leaders should be sought after. I think good, honest, and wise men should be searched high and low for. Um, but remember, they're only men. And I don't think our, our salvation, our safety is in a man, if you will. So let's talk about the prospect of a modern-day George Washington. Uh, are there any? Who are they? Can we get them to serve us as General George did? Uh, you know, this 4th of July, that's important uh, to contemplate as we look to the future also, Chris. So, yes, as far as a modern-day George Washington is concerned, you need to realize George Washington was selected by the people. He was known because he was in the Continental Congress at the time uh, under the Articles of Confederation. Um, and uh, people knew about him because of the, the newspapers constantly wrote about him. Today, in order to become a modern-day George Washington and be able to communicate and lead, a nation of 330 million people, Sam, you have to have access to the media. And let me ask you, Sam, have you been able to, um, to uh, access the media to the degree that you could be able to uh, communicate with uh, anybody or anything near 330 million Americans? And if not, is there anything that you can do to change that uh, stranglehold that the mainstream media the has on right communication now. channels? The answer is right now, no. And the reason it's no is for several reasons. Number one, they own the majority of radio stations. The government controls those radio stations. Uh, you know, you have private ownership, government control via the FCC. It's as communist as it gets. 
uh, in its delivery, or you could say it's the fascist side of the uh, road. But whether it's fascism, socialism, communism, they all lead to one direction, a godless tyranny. Uh, so I don't think that we have near the ability. Then we started to do it with the Internet, and then now they're shutting down a lot of the media services on the Internet. So we don't have a prayer on that front as it currently stands. However, I do believe that some of that's changing. And I do believe that, you know what, they've been trying for a tyranny since Cain killed Abel. They've been seeking for power and to have these secret combinations above the people. They've never got it yet. So this 4th of July weekend, I'm celebrating the fact that they don't have it. I know it appears that they're getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, but remember, as General George Washington set the example, you can lose a lot of battles but still win the war. So let's not forget that. And let's know that when we're on the Lord's side, you know what? There's no end to what we, we can accomplish. Not on our own, not because of us, but because of the grace of Almighty God. What do we need to do to uh, realize that grace or have that grace applied to us? I would submit to you that he decides what we need to do. He says, follow me. Do as I do. Come to me and repent, and I'll heal your land and protect you. Uh, the directions, biblically speaking, are very clear. So the answer to your question, no. But I also say there's a lot of hope because we're on the right side of the discussion, Chris. Yeah, and we need to think locally, <clears throat> Sam. I think uh, we're going to see salvation on the local level, the neighborhood level, maybe the county level, and maybe even the state level if we can uh, maintain communication channels with uh, our fellow state um, citizens and residents. Uh, but, to, but to think that there's going to be a George Washington figure, Sam, who the media will embrace, who the media will will send out to the people to to listen to his um, rhetoric and, and, and that we can forget about that. In other words, and I've heard this many times by other uh, realistic minded pundits of political thought that, you know, the, the fight for freedom in Washington that that ended many, many years ago. So we need to think in terms of, of uh, organizing our neighborhoods, maybe organizing our states, if we can maybe get a constitutional-minded representative elected to political office. Uh, and I talked to my, my own representative here in the state of Utah just last week. We talked about that, Sam. Uh, but as far as, as finding some savior figure, you know, we've already got a savior. His, his name is Jesus Christ. He has given us enough means to um, establish the principles that are embodied in the Constitution on the local level and to build from there and to, 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 not, to not fall for a, a savior figure like we did with Donald Trump. I mean, if we look at the beginning of his presidency to the end of it, we were actually worse off in many, many ways. And we talked about that. And, you know, we, we don't have time to go through that again. But we see what happens when the media promotes an individual. We need to, to, to break away from that paradigm. We need to organize ourselves locally. We need to get food storage so that we can survive uh, the coming vicissitudes of this struggle. And they will be harsh. I mean, look at the example that the founding fathers uh, had to endure through. You know, they probably had food storages. They probably had means of of survival, but they were probably there were probably a lot of sacrifices, as we well know that way they went through. Anyway, I've I've gone on ad nauseum. Um, well, I want to say this we, though, because this is really critical this hour to cap off. There's a lot we can do. We need to pattern our lives after the lives of the founding fathers. We need to have a love for liberty in our hearts, have it in our conscience, in our very souls, 
and then we need to do our very best to uh, reject fear and have faith. And what do we have faith in? Well, I put it this way. You know what? We can all become George Washingtons. You know what? I don't have as much influence as George did in his day, but I can do what I can do. You can do what you can do. One becomes two. Two becomes the few. The few becomes many. And by our greater numbers shall we have success. I want to put this headline in the mix. I took two headlines from two different emails that I got. One from the American Family Association. I can't remember where the other one came from. But listen to this headline that I built out of the two points. Everybody's sending me 4th of July greetings and messages, and I commend them and thank them for their exuberance and their uh, willingness. And, but here's the headline. You can help rest- restore help. Wow, let me start over. You can help restore hope in our country by bearing the torch of Christ in America. Let me say it again. You can help restore our country by bearing the torch of Christ. That's how you can help restore hope in America, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what we need to be all about. Chris? Yes, we need to turn off our TV, Sam, because uh, more often than not, the information being disseminated through our TVs and you know mainstream media in general is not valuable to us. We need to open our Bibles and we need to get on our knees, as you said. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the true Savior of this republic. And the Founding Fathers knew that, and that's why they were, they were men of God and Christians. Uh, we need to get back to that formula for success, and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, once we get off our knees, we need to go to work and continue to go to work until this noble republic is saved. Because without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle is the Lord, Sam. But we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving Americans everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. Thank you, Chris. We the people can be the freedom factor. Will you help us? Happy Fourth of July weekend. Make it a reflective weekend. Make it a God family country weekend, will you please? For Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that which refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is July the second, the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-one. It is an incredible Fourth of July. Weekend, ladies and gentlemen, on Sunday is the 4th. Man, you got to love that liberty and God, family, and country on the Sabbath. Can you focus on both? I sure can. It will be a God, family, country weekend for me all weekend long. We will uh, bear witness of Christ. We will stand together and worship as saints. We will uh, focus on the things that matter most, 
liberty being a core component, in my humble view, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to say the least. Happy Independence Day weekend to all of you. I want you to think of this Independence Day weekend as a thanksgiving to God, family, and country for all that we have, for the legacies that our founding fathers put down, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you can help restore hope in our country by bearing the torch of Christ in America. Future generations, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake, are counting on your response. With that brief introduction, we'd like to welcome the good doctor, Dr. Scott Bradley, his collegiate series, To Preserve the Nation, his website, Freedom's Rising Sun, back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you much. In fact, as your intro uh, brings to mind, last night I did a webinar, and uh, it's kind of my closing remarks. It came to me that, you know, this is marking, this weekend will mark the 245th anniversary of the signing of the American Declaration, and, we, of course, we could talk about that at great length. However, it occurred to me that it being the Sabbath and it being a holy day, and um, a lot of people have made you know, the 4th of July, basically a, a beer bust with a rock concert and fireworks instead of giving full consideration to, to the great gift that we've been given in that liberty. I was thinking, and uh, I ver- verbalized this in the webinar last night, and I will invite your listeners also. I, As I closed my little meeting out, I, I thought, you know what, if we, we gathered in supplication before the Lord on bended knee, uh, at least a portion of the day, and uh, and gave thanks for the gifts of liberty, for the gift of proper government that we were given, for the uh, consideration of safety, health, strength, prosperity, peace, freedom, all of those kinds of things that has been really the American way for those 245 years after we made well on our uh, original declaration. We have uh, we've been granted many many gifts, and I. I thought, you know, it being the first Sunday, we oftentimes suggest people perhaps spend at least a portion of their day in fasting and prayer. Perhaps that would be a good, appropriate kind of thing to invite people to participate in on this 4th of July. As you, you know, are able to think about those things, I think turning our hearts to God wouldn't be a bad thing. So anyway, I would invite people to give consideration to that and decide how they'd like to do it in their household. Amen to that. And I would say jettison the beer bus, that's for sure. Jettison the rock uh-huh. concert. Make it a God family country weekend. Make it a reflective weekend of study about our founding fathers and the sacrifices they made. And then make a commitment in your heart, in your very soul, to carry on their legacy. That's what my wish would be. Uh, but it's interesting to me, um, several things to note. Uh, and I normally don't talk about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a lot because most of our listeners aren't members. However, I do from time to time because I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't hide that in any way. Uh, I lead with that. I promote that. That is my beliefs. I believe in God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the name of the church. So no doubt we're Christian, uh, and uh, we believe in Jesus Christ, the author of our liberty. But the reason that I bring this up now is because it's a very unique combination of events uh, this weekend. As you mentioned, what is it, the 245th? Correct. 
245th celebration of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Now, some people say that it was on the 2nd, some on the 3rd. Uh, I get that we celebrated on the 4th. But there's a confluence of events that are happening this weekend that make it very special and dear to me. Number one, it's the 245th, as you mentioned. Number two, it's on the Sabbath, which the Sabbath is a delight. What better opportunity to, you know what, have some fireworks on Saturday night? Fine. Go to a fair. Go to a parade. That's great. Those are not bad things to do. But turn your heart towards Christ. He is the author of our liberty. And turn your heart towards those who have gone before us because we have a godly American heritage. And our founders gave much for what we uh, seem to uh, take for granted and, and I don't know, ignore. We uh, treat it with uh, not the reverence that it deserves, that's for sure, but almost a flippant softness that concerns me greatly. But anyway, the point is the 4th of July is on Sunday. And the reason I mentioned the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is because every um, first Sunday of the month, uh, it's called Fast and Testimony Meeting where the saints, uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's why we're called saints, followers of Christ, if you will, um, where we uh, meet together and we fast and pray uh, and we bear witness and testify of Christ to one another. It's called a testimony meeting. And I, I love nothing more than testifying of Christ on Independence Day, or at least the day we celebrate it, um, because that's really where the, our liberty comes from. So I, I like that, that it's the Sabbath, that it's a delight, that it's, but it's also my birthday. So I'll be 54 wow. years old on Sunday. Yes, sir. I'll be 54 well, come, years old you, on you Sunday. Come, you, you come Go ahead, sir. very naturally. You come very naturally upon your patriotism than I would guess. I mean, it's, uh, I, di I did not know that. So here you are, born on the 4th of July. That's, that's an incredible um, a milestone for you. It's not your 245th first day. It's your 54th. There's a little that's flip right. in there, but you know. <laughs> so I've, I've been at it a little bit less than some of the patriots, but I, my heart is as knit with theirs as can possibly be. And the heritage burns bright in my soul and in my blood uh, and in my hope rather than fear and in my faith, conquering fear and in my trust in God Almighty, the author of my liberty. Um, but so this Sunday, we're going to be hearing from one another, a bearing witness of Christ, uh, and focusing on the unique day that it is. Only every, what, seven years does it come up on, you know, Sunday to be the 4th of July. Sadly, I wasn't born on a Sunday. I wish I was. But anyway, I, I digress, except to say this day has very special meaning on a lot of fronts for me, Dr. Bradley. Um, and it's hard for me to put one meaning above another. But it is easy for me to tie my legacy, my American godly heritage, to who I am as a person and to what I want to do with my time on this earth to defend the principles of liberty. What I want to do on my time on this earth to promote God, family, and country, faith in Christ, the fundamental unit of society, the God-ordained one man, one woman, married together, fidelity to one another, bringing children into the world and raising them in righteousness. These are the plans of eternal God for the destiny of his children. If we but give God our agency, our willingness uh, to carry forward his grand design. This is really important because liberty is a component of that. A lot of people think liberty and religion are separate. I simply merely say that liberty is a fundamental portion of religion, a critical portion, because without liberty, the other portions cannot flourish, sir. 
Well, indeed, they're inextricably interwoven. Uh, if if you do not have the freedom to worship your God and take upon you the name of Christ and serve your fellow man and uh, provide for your family, what what do we have? I mean, you know, the, people, you know, they go with licentiousness rather than liberty, and and that's a tragic thing. But uh, but truthfully, about the only things. And, and you hate to bring war up at this particular time, but the only thing worthy of defense in, in the most intense manner is our privilege of worshiping and, uh, our God and taking upon us the name of our Christ and, and protecting and, and providing for our families and being able to live in peace and freedom and being able to lift and bless our fellow man and, and have truth. I mean, those are kind of, that's the fundamental stuff. And, and without liberty, you don't have that. And without true gospel, you don't have that. So... I, I think that they, they are inextricably interwoven, and, and I, I know we're coming up on a break, but maybe when we get back, we can talk just briefly about two of the, what the Adamses said. You know, father and son, John Adams and John Quincy Adams, great spiritual, great Christians, great statesmen, and they had a real feel for, for the, um, not only our liberty, but also religion. And by the way, John Adams... Uh, was the author of the Massachusetts Constitution, and how in the world they ever came up with the idea that uh, uh, perversions were appropriate based upon what was written in that Constitution is is hard for me to understand. But in the beginning of this century, we, well, at least Mitt Romney as the governor came up with that. At any rate, you know, great Christian John Adams wrote it, and certainly it was not, it, there was there was no inclination whatsoever to say that that perverse actions should be inclined. But it, when we get back, maybe maybe uh, John Quincy Adams as well as John Adams, some of the things they wrote about this date uh, back in their day. We will so, do that. We will do that. John is a great name. My middle name is John, uh, named after some of my grandfathers, and my son's name is John. So, you know, the Johns of the world are doing their very best to stand up for the sacred cause of liberty. So are the Scots uh, and many others uh, as well. Uh, but what is your duty, ladies and gentlemen? That's something to really contemplate. What is your duty? And I don't know the answer. I know that the only way for you to learn your duty is to get on your knees before Almighty God and pray for guidance of how you should be engaged in our sacred cause. I have my calling and my role, and I aim to do the very best I can at it. I may not be as good as others, but I will give it my all. And if I do my best, the Savior Jesus Christ and His grace He's promised me he will do the rest. We just got to make sure our hearts beat true, right, ladies and gentlemen? Hang tight. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsizingsun.com, this incredible 4th of July weekend. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, 
and have some kids. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to lift the lamp of liberty. This nation needs to be a light on a shining hill, or a shining light on the hill. We broadcast live from atop the Rocky Mountains, ladies and gentlemen. That seems significant to me as well. The light in the lamp of liberty is what we've got to do in the hearts of Americans everywhere. If we want to restore the republic, if we want to bring back the traditions of our founders, if we want to preserve the nation. It's a monumental task, but a task by which we must thrust in our sickle with our might uh, while the daylight shines. Uh, Dr. Bradley, you wanted to mention some uh, comments, some quotes from both Adams, John and John Quincy, uh, because it really lights that fire, brush fires of freedom in the hearts and minds of men. When we hear their quotes and understand their sacrifice, um, we take courage, sir. Well, indeed, we should, we must, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that we kind of, as a, a society, with the um, the dregs that we have currently leading and educating the society, turn from these kind of things. Uh, John Adams uh, wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail. Uh, what a partnership, brilliant minds and devoted souls. I mean, uh, they, they, were a, they were a great partnership equally yoked in this cause of liberty and all the other good things that they they believed in um the the nation the congress basically declared our independence on the 2nd of july you talk about some of these uh confusion if you will but we do celebrate it on the 4th but uh, john adams said that in his letter to abigail that they had they had come to that conclusion on the 2nd of july and on the 3rd he wrote to her and said that you know this is going to be a huge celebration from here on out you know and and, uh, and so, it, as he writes to his wife, he said this, and then I'll, I'll make a statement his son made uh, some decades later. He, uh, John Adams, the dad, said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn actions of devotion to Almighty God. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forever, forward forevermore. See, it's interesting, uh, even at that early date, 
they're talking about one end of the continent to the other. I mean, and by the way, Adams did make some other very powerful statements about the size and nature of this land, a land of 300 million free men, not a, not a, uh, a single one without freedom. That these were the things that, that they had in their hearts and minds on that time. It's very, very, very interesting to me. That was their intent all along uh, to have this. Uh, this land is a free land. Now, on July 4th, uh, 1837, John Quincy Adams, the son, again, a, a great diplomat, a great scholar, a, a great, I mean, he, he was an abolitionist. No, no less the, committed to the sacred cause, though, right, Doctor? There's not a question about that. He was he was an abolitionist before the term was popular. I mean, he wanted to get rid of slavery, and he was de dedicated and devoted to that effort. He always signed his letters, the duty is ours, the results are God's. I mean, and then we kind of need to take that attitude today, I think, because a lot of people want to, you know, take all the credit to themselves, but truly and, and unequivocally, God is the one that brings about all the goodness. But on July 4th, 1837, I mean, his dad had been dead 11 years by now. You know, the dad and, and uh, Thomas Jefferson died July 4th, 1826. Same day, 50th anniversary of the, of the uh, signing, well, at least the day we commemorate the declaration. Anyway, here's what John Quincy said. Why is it that next to the birthday of the Savior of our world, your most joyous and most venerated festival returns on this day, Independence Day? Is it not that in the chain of human events, the birth of the nation is essentially, excuse me, indissolubly linked to the birthday of the Savior? that it forms a leading event in the progress of the gospel dispensation. Is it not that the Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission upon earth, that it laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first principles of Christianity, and gave to the world the first irrevocable pledge of the fulfillment of the prophecies announced directly from heaven at the birth of the Savior and predicted by the greatest of the Hebrew prophets 600 years before. Now, by the way, just as a little side note, the Hebrew prophet 600 years before Christ was Jeremiah, and I think that John Quincy Adams was referring to Isaiah, which was about 100 years before that. So, I mean, uh, you know, just a little misstatement perhaps, but... Um, but, and I probably shouldn't have even brought that up, other than I know there will be people who say, wait, 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 who was the prophet 600 years before? Did he think Jeremiah was the greatest of the Hebrew prophets? Well, I think he probably held Isaiah in pretty high regard. And remember, Isaiah is the guy that said, um, you know, wonderful counselor of the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I mean, Isaiah really did speak messianically much about the coming of the Savior. But but uh, I, I don't want to detract from what he said about the 4th of July. It's inextricably interwoven with the liberty of this nation and the Savior's birth because it is a focus on the Savior's mission. Now, when I read, um, you know, like, for example, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you read in the fourth chapter of Luke, when the Savior first reintroduced himself, I guess I should say, back into his hometown, Nazareth. And he was at the synagogue, and he, he let it be known that he was going to read, or wanted to read, and they brought him the 61st chapter of Isaiah. And in the fourth chapter of Luke, you can read about what he 
you know, he he was announcing his mission that day that I am he, basically. And and go read in there how that is woven with liberating the captives. You know, I mean, it, it there's there's this subtlety constantly that, oh, yeah, 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 people say, yeah, they, people, nah, he's going to liberate them from the captivity of sin, unquestionably, unquestionably. But I believe that his mission was a, a broad, broad scope of liberation. And, and the things that that were the people of Christ's day they they bore many many great burdens i mean women were were basically chattel of second class citizens if you will and he was a great advocate of of god's daughters i mean he loved his sisters if you will in the in eternity i mean he he brought liberty the idea of you know the the cause of liberty is is interwoven with the gospel of jesus christ throughout much of what he wrote in the new testament I mean, even his statement, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free, free, yes, you know truth, you may be free. And um, all of these things, he ties back to liberty. Go read the, the fourth chapter of Luke again, and, and recognize that when he introduced himself, he went and quoted Isaiah, and, and said, hey, this is the day, we're here, this is the start of it. Of course, it made his hometown folks a little mad, you know, a prophet in his own country and all that kind of stuff, the Savior in his own country. But uh, but all of these things, they should be before our eyes constantly. And I think this Sabbath day, the 4th of July, uh, is a great opportunity for us, us to, again, look at the scope and breadth of, of how this all these eternal principles kind of come to a nexus um, in, in not only this nation, but its founding and and the uh, all the principles that was upheld originally, and sadly, virtually all of them have been abandoned. I mean, it's it's just a travesty what we have done with our liberty, and how carelessly we have uh, basically squandered them, without any thought for what the next generation is going to be. By the way, in in all my decades of studying. Uh, the words of the American Founding Fathers, the history of the nation, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all those kinds of things. I am, I'm just absolutely astounded as I review the things that the Founding Fathers spoke and wrote that so much of what they did, and even in the, in the preamble to the United States Constitution, they talked about what they did. They did for themselves and their posterity. Many of them never expected to see the full fruit uh, full fruits of the liberty they were seeking, but they were always looking for for their children and grandchildren and and their posterity, and and I think that you know this this idea of the legacy we're going to leave those that are coming behind us, it better be more on the forefront of our thought, because I'm not so sure that the coming generation will be as as free and happy and prosperous and and um, peaceful as as we have been in the past uh, because very rarely do we give consideration and give thanks at the same time. Dr. Bradley, I'm certainly not a prophet, but my prediction is that we will go through a very dark period. But as we go through this dark period, there will be more and more and more wicked turning their backs on God. We're becoming a secular nation, sadly jettisoning our founders' leadership. But there are a few of us who are doubling down and quadrupling down in faith, in and trust in, and dedication to Christ. 
We'll talk about that coming up on your radio. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Thursday praised President Biden's federal response to the collapse of a condo building in the coastal suburb of Surfside, Florida. Speaking at a command briefing near the site of the deadly disaster Thursday, DeSantis said the president had recognized the severity of this tragedy from day one, and you've been very supportive, end quote. As violent crime surges across America, a judge on Thursday ordered Minneapolis, Minnesota to hire more police officers after ruling in favor of a group that had sued the city council over a rise in crime. Hennepin County District Judge Jamie Anderson said the city needs to have at least 730 by June 30th, 2022. State Department spokesperson Ned Price said the United States expressed concern on Thursday over a report that China is building more than 100 new silos for intercontinental ballistic missiles near the city of Yumen, USA Radio News. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. The State Department on Thursday said human trafficking has 25 million people suppressed worldwide. John Clemens from the Texas USA Radio News Bureau explains. The troubling estimate was announced by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Trafficking persons is an appalling crime. It's a global crisis. It's an enormous source of human suffering. By its nature, it's often hidden from view. Exact figures are sometimes hard to determine. The estimate we often cite is that nearly 25 million people worldwide are victims of human trafficking. The report cited the coronavirus pandemic as the cause of the big increase in human slavery between 2020 and 2021. The study covered 188 nations and territories indicating COVID-19 had put millions of people around the world at a greater risk of exploitation. Stanley Cup finals continue for hockey Friday evening from the Montreal Canadiens home ice. The Tampa Bay Lightning lead the best-of-seven series two games to none. It can be seen on NBCSN at 8 p.m. Eastern. USA Radio News. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So there's my uh, prediction. I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you. As I see it, the nation's turning their back on God. There's no doubt about that. But you know what? God's contingent has never been large. Even biblically, when it was large, he would whittle it down to the most faithful. So although the nation's turning their back on God and we're going to suffer the consequences and go through a very dark period, Dr. Bradley, in the hope category, in the faith category, I'm convinced there are those who are doubling down, quadrupling down, turning to God Almighty, strengthening their faith, 
learning to receive guidance from God Almighty and uh, receive that guidance and then act upon it. Uh, so there is a bright hope for those who take the time to, I would say this, count the costs and choose the better part, sir. Well, most certainly, and, and uh, perhaps at some point, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where we're going with this whole thing, but we could maybe even talk in a little while. But first, I want to talk about their, the, the founders a little bit. But, but the foundation upon which they built that we have strayed so far from today might be a, a, you know, a template that we could say, wait, 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 I didn't understand that. And look what we're doing now and how it's a variance from what they understood and believed and sought for in those days. But as I think about the founders, those guys that stepped forward, they signed the Declaration of Independence, they became instant traitors, subject to the king's vengeance and execution if they were captured. They, they became hunted criminals. They had a price on their head. Their families were, in many instances, hunted, and their families bore the burden of this, too. But at the end of the Declaration, they, they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Many of them, many of them lost their lives. Um, almost all of them lost their fortunes. I mean, we, we could review individuals, and, and some of the, the most wealthy men on the continent actually lost their fortunes in this whole process. They weren't you know, patriots for profit, if you will. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, they had wives, sons, daughters, others that were killed, imprisoned, harassed, and, you know, they were deprived of their material possessions. I mean, 17, if I recall correctly, lost everything they own. And all of them were hunted as traitors, and most of them were separated from their homes and their families for extended periods of time. And even though George Washington did not sign the Declaration of Independence, he had a, a very heavy hand in the effort to obtain our independence, and he, he never went home for eight years, I mean, for crying out loud. But none of these signers ever betrayed their pledged word. Not one of them. Not one of them backslid, if you will, on this thing. There were no defectors. No one changed his mind. Uh, they lost lives, some of them. Uh, fortunes were certainly lost, but their sacred honor was never sacrificed. And and I think about us today. You know, we're a, a kind of a, a truce breaker people. That's how the scriptures talk about it. it. It's a people that break our pledge. We break our covenants, if you will. We make a covenant with God and, and we toss it aside on a whim, it seems like. Uh, you know, to stand uh, in holy places, if you will, and, and we abandon those holy places far too often for exigencies of the day. Uh, it's inconvenient. Uh, you know, it's not popular. We we take positions in the world that that seek to make us shine in the eyes of the world, but mm, abandon things of really pretty grave moment in our lives. No, these founding fathers were not that. The Americans began as a covenant-making people that sought most diligently to be obedient and faithful and true to the covenants they made. I mean, you look at you look at in 1620 before they debarked the uh, Mayflower. They they sat down and wrote a, a charter, a Mayflower Compact, if you will, not a real true constitution, but. But it was the first American state paper, if you will. And, and in that, they, they tried to document why they were doing what they were doing so they could remember this kind of stuff. And they begin it with the words, in the name of God, amen. They were making a covenant. They were making a combination between themselves and God 
God was in it, making it more solemn, more appropriate in terms of, you know, making sure we never forgot it. And they put forth the, the reasons they had come to this land, and the furtherance of the Christian faith was primary among that. And so uh, these people, th these Americans, these, this strange breed of people that seem to have made, been made of a different metal than we are today. I mean, they were, they were hard-headed, <laughs> tough, uh, determined, and they sometimes died in their cause. My ancestor that was on the Mayflower died within about three or four months uh, of, of his arrival here in this land. Uh, but but they came. And uh, by the way, it brings to a thought another thing. When when the Mayflower left in the spring, although they'd had a really tough winter, and, and you know, they, they their groceries were running low. And by the way, one of the reasons that so many women particularly died of those that came on the Mayflower was because uh, they were an honest people, and, and they had put a, a good store of butter. Butter is a good... A set of calories. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, fire left in butter. If you eat it, it can help keep your furnaces running. But to settle some debts before leaving Europe, they had they had sold the butter, and as a consequence of that, they didn't have enough calories in store. And a lot of the women, particularly, uh, died uh, through that tough winter. So, so all of this. I mean, their honesty cost them their lives, literally. But the thing that I wanted to mention as they left, and again, this is all per probably tied into the founding of the nation, so why not? That when the Mayflower left in the spring, there were only sailors on board. Nobody bailed. Nobody said, man, you know what? It's, <laughs> man, that winter. Um. All right, so back with Eli, we lost Dr. Bradley a little bit, but he was making the point about how, what kind of sacrifices our founders made. Uh, when you really study it, you become in awe of the, of the dedication, of the absolute trust in God, and therefore commitment, not only in their hearts and in their minds and their souls, in their thinking, but in their actions. It was incredible. It was something to behold. It was something for... Uh, nations and peoples worldwide for generations to follow. Uh, it was the kickoff, if you will, of liberty, in, uh, liberty sufficient to prepare the way for the Savior Jesus Christ to return. This is not an insignificant event, the founding of our nation. This was the stage setting, if you will, the forerunner for the return of the Savior Jesus Christ and a nation to make it possible a people who would be ready to receive their God when he returns. These were not faint-hearted people. These were people who gave tremendous sacrifice. And it's my uh, expectation, and some, to some degree my prediction, we will have to go through every bit of challenging of times as they did before we're through. Will the Savior return? Without a doubt, he will. Is he real? Without a doubt, he's real. Is his atonement infinite? Factual, spot on, without a doubt. Will it save us if we let it? Meaning if we turn our agency, our choices towards God, let him, if you will, be the captain of our souls. We make our choices, but then he does the rest, and through his grace are we made whole and complete. 
This is not something that is uh, separate from liberty. I know people want to separate religion and liberty. You cannot do it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you now, it is not possible to do. Because in the principles that Christ taught we live becomes our qualifying for the grace that God so willingly gives us. Is it what I do? No, it's the grace of of God. But I must do what he asks me to do. It's not a matter of I'm taking credit for myself. It's a matter of me being obedient. The first law of heaven to do what God's asked me to do. And when I do what he asks, then he carries out his side of the promise that he made all of us. If we repent and turn to him, he will heal our land. And so the founding fathers really gave much. And we, I believe, Dr. Bradley, will be required to do the same. Well, there, there's no question. And, and uh, you talk about the, uh, yeah, the interweaving of the uh, gospel of Christ and, and liberty. Uh, the founding fathers uh, absolutely made that connection. And, and uh, a, a couple of examples. One, of, uh, one was a guy by the name of uh, Timothy Dwight, and the other one's uh, uh, John Hargrove. And maybe if the break comes up, uh, we'll have to finish up in this and that. But... Uh, uh, Dr. Timothy Dwight was the, the Yale president, uh, you know, Yale president. Can you imagine a Yale president today giving a talk, you know, on the 4th of July, talking about liberty and God and Christ? Anyway, the 4th of July, 1798, Timothy Dwight spoke at length about the duty of Americans and preserving the liberty of the nation. And in that talk, and it's expansive talk, it's about 30 pages long of fine print. We'll talk about that maybe when we get back. And then I want to again remind your listeners about uh, John Hargrove's speech on Christmas in 1804 that he gave before the joint session of Congress. Uh, this is a far Liberty cry from in America. Christ, ladies and gentlemen, a weekend celebration by Dr. Bradley and Sam Bushman on your radio. Our goal to preserve the nation, freedomsrisingsun.com. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The runner on third takes a short lead. Elwood glances over. Now back to the plate. He sets the pitch. It's swung on strike three. They've won it. They have won it. World champions. Jim, what's it like down on the field? John, it's a madhouse down here. I'm, I'm trying to get to Bob Elwood, the winning pitcher. Bob, Bob, how does it feel? Winning the seventh game on a strikeout. Yeah, I, I, I thought he'd be looking for a slider, so I came on with my fastball. World champions, is this the greatest moment of your life? Absolutely not. Jim, the best moments for me are breakfast with the kids. 
Long walks with my wife, just holding her hand, you know? Marriage. You're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. From your neighbors, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jim, when was the last time you held your wife's hand? Well, it's, it's, it's been a while. I tell you, you need to step up to the plate, Jim. For more tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org. Live, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Scott Bradley with us. We're talking about how to preserve the nation. Pattern our lives after Christ is the starting point. Teach your family to do the same. Take liberty seriously and be willing to give all on her altar Is are some of the keys, ladies and gentlemen. The founders did this without hesitation to a man. Were they perfect men? Of course not. But I believe they were inspired by God. They were inspired by a sacred greater cause as we prepare for the return of Jesus Christ uh, in the future. Uh, Dr. Bradley. Let's go back to Timothy Dwight's uh, talk on July 4th, 1798. You need to get a copy of this. You need to spend some time thinking about it. I mean, like I say, it's probably 30 pages of number 10 font. I mean, it's just really fine print. But he spoke at length about the way we could preserve our liberty, and one of his main points was that if we're to remain strong and free, we've got to honor and sustain the Sabbath day. Now, you can read in the 20th chapter of Ezekiel, for example, there's numerous places you could, about the importance of the Sabbath day. And, and by the way, if you go to the end of the book of Second Chronicles, you'll find that, that the, the Babylonian captivity occurred because the people had been unwilling to keep that Sabbath day holy. It is a sign between God and his people. And, and the Americans, the early Americans anyway, considered themselves a modern-day Israel. And so, so here was this sign between a people and their God. And if you stray from that, it becomes a broken covenant, if you will. We've talked about how we break our covenants and our pledges. Well, uh, Timothy Dwight felt like if we were going to remain strong and free, as in the Old Testament, that Sabbath day has been given as a sign of the covenant between God and not only ancient Israel, but in our view, if America's really, truly God's modern covenant people, we've got to keep that covenant also. I mean, the 25th chapter of Leviticus talks about, you know, that proclaim liberty throughout the land, you know, that's on the Liberty Bell. It's all about the Sabbaths and uh, keeping the Sabbath. But the other thing I wanted to kind of flip to quickly, and I know time flees so <laughs> right through our fingers as we, we get together and we talk about some of these momentous topics, but in, in light of what we do with our Congress nowadays, I mean, when you get a joint session of Congress together, at best it's a pep rally. And, and you know, it's an acrimonious, partisan kind of thing. Anyway, that hasn't always been the case in America. And July, not July, Christmas, and again, John Quincy Adams tied Christmas, the birth of the Savior, and, and the, the birth of the nation together. But in Christmas Day of 1804, a joint session of Congress met. Okay, so we're, these guys, are they're not home campaigning, trying to figure out a way to, you know, re, you know regain their office and all this kind of stuff. No, no, not at all. Christmas Day, 1804. John Hargrove was tapped by Congress to come and address that joint session. And he delivered an address, House and the Senate, again, think about this. His assigned topic, 
and this is, I've got a copy of his program, a sermon on the second coming of Christ and on the last judgment. See, religious principles were really at the core of the foundation of the United States in its early years. Think about this. Congress is concerned about preparing the nation for the second coming of Christ and the last judgment. And as Sam, you were mentioning earlier, we have, you know, yeah, there's going to be a bumpy road and everything like that. Christ will return. And uh, whether we're here or prepared or not is, is maybe a little bit up in the air. But the fact of the matter is he is going to. That's a sure thing. You've read the book. You might want to give consideration to it and, and what's entailed in that. And the whole nation was focused that way. And, yeah, I know people can say, oh, yeah, there was some rowdy guys out, you know, that were in, um, you know, trappers somewhere or what. You know, yeah, okay, fine. You can look for exceptions, but by and large, the religiosity of this nation was well-established, well-founded. Days of fasting and prayer. The thing that we've suggested uh, earlier in the broadcast that we do on this coming Sabbath day, on the 4th of July, spend some time uh, maybe in fasting if, if it's appropriate or you feel that you can, and certainly don't do anything that would destroy your health. I mean, if you're diabetic, don't fast. I mean, you know, be wise. But to give, offer your prayers and supplicate before God, our nation needs his grace. We really do. And far too much of the time is spent nowadays in, uh, I guess I would call it the day of the anti-hero, where we spend so an inordinate amount of time uh, giving praise and glory and attention and, and uh, all sorts of public uh, recognitions of people of the most questionable character. I mean, people that, you know, they, they're, they're spiritual derelicts. They, um, they spend time in rehab and, and uh, I don't know, they're, they're broken down with party and hardy all the time. And again, that's what the 4th of July has become for many people. But it should be a spiritual recognition in our nation and Hopefully today, I mean not today, but this, this weekend on the Sabbath, there'll be some time given to that. And, and we can kind of renew that covenant, if you will, between God and us and the cause of liberty that he's bequeathed to us. I believe the founding fathers, they were raised up by God. I believe that they were the best men God could find on this earth at that time. And I believe that there are so few and far between those kinds of people. I'm not sure you could find a handful today anywhere, certainly none in leadership, that uh, that could stand in their shadow that were worthy. Yeah, of. I think there's a lot of good people that absolutely fit the bill today. The problem is they don't have leadership, and they're not seeking leadership necessarily. But let's be clear about this so people can look up this sermon, because I think it's worth reading this John Hargrove sermon. He delivers a sermon on the second coming of Christ. And the sermon is called, what, Unto Liberty? Well, there was probably a subheading that the actual program I have is, is a sermon on the second coming of Christ and on the last uh, judgment. Um, so that was delivered in the uh, uh, Congress. Yeah, I think that sermon was called Unto Liberty. Right. Unto Liberty. Okay. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the people that are not um, in leadership now. And, and, and sadly, I, I think that that's become kind of 
it, it's a truism. In fact, if I can find it very quickly, I'm going to I'll read just something that one of the founding fathers, Noah Webster, wrote. Um, he he wrote this is this is a statement about choosing good leaders. He said, "God commands you to choose for rulers just men." who will rule in the fear of God. The preservation of a Republican government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty. If the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made, not for the public good, so much as for selfish or local purposes. Corrupt or incompetent men will be appointed to execute the laws. The public revenues will be squandered on unworthy men and the rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded. Now, I would, rather than make a comment on every word that's found in that little paragraph, I would guess it would be wise for us to give pause and consider the character of those that currently hold office and why good people are not. Why do we choose people that gladhand us, that offer us our, um, our own little kind of goodie box, if you will, when they come into office? Uh, that that uh, that give away that which is not theirs to give. I mean, even people say, and DeSantis was praising Biden for recognizing this collapse of this condo in Florida. My goodness, what Biden has promised is not his to give. And you say, oh, well, it, you know, I mean, yeah, those people have needs and everything like that. Well, stop and pause for a moment and say, we gave our consent to be governed by a certain form of government when we ratified the Constitution. The Constitution in no way, shape, or form allows the redistribution for any cause, no matter how good and noble it may sound to us, we cannot take from the rest of the people and give to somebody else. And you say, well, that's pretty hard-hearted. No, it's not. Churches, individuals, they should be willing to open up their purse and and help and those we in are need. the most charitable people in the world let's make that Indeed very clear we, we will continue to be but we we don't have the the those that sit at the head of the government do not have the authority to pillage and plunder on behalf of charity no matter how harsh that may sound it is not well their it, charter. it's they because it's oath. force ladies and gentlemen it's not charity it's force when done by the point of a government gun uh, is the issue and it's got to stop the sermon's instructive to follow. I want to make this uh, final point here, Dr. Bradley. Uh, I got an email from the American Family Association doing a great job, but here's what they say. The future of America depends largely on the response of the church to the call of Christ. Will we be fishers of men? Will we pray for America? Will we be the salt and the light in our culture war? Will we stand for the sacred cause of liberty? And I think that's the fundamental question. We're at a crossroads in America. I've seen a lot of good people waking up in the last five years, more than the first 25 years that I've been at this. But I've also seen a massive turn away from God. But I believe the faith are becoming more faithful. And so that's the clarion call to each of you. Will you become light and salt? Will you be fishers of men? Will you pray for America? And then will you get up and do all you can for this cause as we await the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I think those are fundamental contemplative questions we should be asking this sacred weekend, Dr. Bradley. Well, as John Quincy Adams always signed his, and we may sign off some, with something like this perhaps, uh, 
He always signed his letters, the duty is ours, the results are God's. So we have a duty to perform. It's our time, it's our day. Our posterity will someday perhaps look back and say, what, what the heck were you guys thinking? Or, yeah, I honor those that went before for their sacrifice, their service, their devotion, their strength in, in preserving these things. And you're absolutely right, Sam. The faithful are becoming more faithful. The unfaithful are becoming more debauched. There's no question about that. This nation celebrates debauchery. Uh, we have whole months that are dedicated to, to perversion. Uh, we, we just can't seem to get it. People in high places speak out on behalf of this and that and the other that takes us away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ and, and perverts every single thing that, that Christ ever brought before us. And, and there can't be any compromise between God and the devil. There has to be a firm foundation in order for the, the building to stand. And, and there are many that are trying to shake the foundation of everything. And, and I, I think that, again, we can only do what we can do. You and I individually, we can do what we can do. And everybody else individually can only do what they can do. But that duty is still ours. And God can take the credit at the end of the day. Amen to that. It's like we pray to God and then do our best, and he takes care of the rest. If we are worthy by keeping his commandments, that is the key. I testify he lives and he will return. And I testify it's our duty to preserve liberty for generations to come until that glorious day of which I know not when. But I testify that it will happen, and I testify we will not lose our liberty. We will go through a very, very tumultuous time but I believe the followers of Christ will become victorious. Said another way, we declare this nation shall endure. Thanks, Dr. Bradley. You're welcome, and thanks to everyone. Keep the faith. Amen to that. God save the Republic of the United States of America.